EU Untangled kicks off with an amazing episode. We address the ongoing name dispute between Greece and the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, known internationally as Thirum. We talk about the historic opportunity that exists today to put an end to this conflict once and for all. Signed last June by the prime ministers of both nations, the PRESPA agreement offers Thirum a name that would finally be recognized by its Greek neighbors, the Republic of North Macedonia. But the conflict is not over yet. The agreement still needs to be ratified by the parliaments of both countries, where the name of Macedonia touches upon very sensitive fibers of culture and identity. The relevance of this agreement goes beyond a simple name change. In a Balkan region that still faces big political and economic challenges, having Greece and Thirum come to terms with each other would grant the former Yugoslav Republic the support it needs from Greece to initiate accession talks with the European Union and NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. The implications are paramount. Since the recording of this episode, one important development has taken place. Last October the 20th, the Macedonian parliament ratified by a two-thirds majority the PRESPA agreement. This means that the ball now goes to the Greek parliament, where the sitting prime minister Alexis Tsipras, a fierce supporter of the deal, is facing staunch opposition to the agreement from within his own governing coalition. But how and when did this conflict start? What exactly is Macedonia? How did we get here and what are the full implications of a deal or a no deal? Stay tuned and welcome to EU Untangled. Hello everyone, we're super happy to be back, although we're super sad that Alex is not with us today because he went to Germany, he decided to do a PhD in economics and he ditched us for Berlin so he will be joining us some other time, today it's only down to Harpa and myself How are you Sharps? I'm good You sound super super good and I could not believe otherwise because we're going to talk about a super interesting topic. We are. Imagine Sharps for a second that you told me, Victor, you cannot call me Sharps because that's not my name. I wanted to call me Harpa. <laughs> but my name is Harpa. No, no, no. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. get it. But I have a right to call you Sharps. And if you Ooh. accept it, then I will call you Sharps. And I'd say that it's taking off. But is it not up to me to decide what I am called? Not in this case. If the community surrounding you takes <laughs> on that name, picks on it, then you're done. Your name is going to be Sharps, and I'm pretty sure that most of your colleagues now are calling you Sharps now. Okay, in that case, nice to meet you, Victoria. Beckham? No, just Victoria. Okay, secret? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All oh, right. Pantita! <laughs> I should call you Pantita. That is actually your name, because Panda is your spirit animal. Sorry. That's a nickname. Pantita. Anyways, yes. the reason why we're talking about these names and name fights is because we are going to talk about the name dispute between the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia and Greece mm -hmm. over a very simple name, the name of Macedonia. But before we get into that topic, I would like you, Harpa, to tell us a little bit about a name dispute less known than this one that involves your own country, Iceland. Yes, I think that this name dispute is criminally underrated because it is so ridiculous. So I come from a country called Iceland. 
And there is also a famous grocery store from the UK called Iceland. It sells mainly frozen goods, so I kind of get it why they chose to name their store Iceland. It's a great name. <laughs> It's a great name. I mean, it was very clever. So Iceland, my country, was founded in 874. The UK store Iceland was founded in 1970. The thing is that Icelandic, the UK brand food store, actually owns the trademark Iceland. So it managed to register its trademark with the European Union Intellectual Property Office, I think about 10 or 20 years ago, actually. What? Yes. So actually, the name Iceland is trademarked by a British store. So wait, are you telling me that you Icelanders cannot call your country Iceland because a store is called Iceland? So the thing is that we can call ourselves Iceland, and we do. But Icelandic companies cannot use the name Iceland in their branding nor claim that their products are Icelandic without risking having... Yeah, they can, they can be sued for trademark infringement by a UK grocery store. So actually, the Icelandic government two years ago formally sued um, the British food store trying to get the European Intellectual Property Office to cancel their trademark and give it to Iceland. Damn, you should have trademarked your country ages ago. Well, You we, had like 1,200 years to do that. We could have done that. But you know what? I see this actually as an opportunity. Because if they are not willing to settle with us, then we can just rename Iceland. And there are so many possibilities there that I kind of hope that we lose this battle and we have to rename our country. Maybe you could call it Hotland. Uh, I was kind of thinking Iceland could be Niceland. Mm, how about Viceland? <laughs> Viceland, yes. That's maybe cooler than uh, Niceland. But the best one is, and I'm a child of the 90s, Spice Girl Forever, started as Sporty Spice. I currently identify as Ginger Spice. My country could be... <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> I did. My country could be called Spiceland. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that that would happen. That would not bother me any, at all. <laughs> I hope somebody puts forward Riceland so you learn a lesson, Harpa. Yes. Okay, I actually have a similar story that I wanted to share. And this is the fact that there is a country in the world. It's the best country, according to some accounts. And the name of that country is the United Spiceland. States. Spiceland. No, I'm kidding. America. <laughs> Sorry, America. Uh, yeah. And, but they like to call themselves America. They do. And they like to call themselves Americans. Yes. With no regard to anyone else who lives in the American continent, which is way larger than the United States, spanning all the way from Canada in the north to Argentina in the very south. And why do they get the right to call themselves Americans? This is something that all Latin Americans, I'm not sure Canadians, mm. care about. Everybody in Latin America is always a little bit mad about the fact that we have to refer to these people in English as Americans and to their country as America. So um, it's a bit weird because they themselves claim to have a right to call themselves Americans. And if I look up America in the Urban Dictionary, what you get is a country that claims the name of an entire continent to itself alone for no compelling reason. And I could not agree more. There are 10,000 people who like this definition versus 5,000 people who dislike it, most of which, I presume, come from so-called America. Well, if you come to think of it, I mean, we have Europeans and Asians and Africans, so why not Americans uh, to refer to the entire continent? 
Exactly. But when you tell somebody like, uh, where are you from, Victor? And uh, if I reply to you, I'm from America, mm-hmm. you would assume then that... I, you were from the United States That I was America. born in the United States. Exactly. I would. But I'm not. I'm from Mexico, but I have a right to say that I am from the American continent. As if I ask you, Harpa, or our PR, Lisa, where are you guys from? You could say Either I'm from Iceland or, or Italy, or but you could also say I'm from Europe. Europe. Like I'm imagine European. if there was one country in Europe that called itself Europe. Yeah. Like imagine France said, like, oh, we are the United States, States of, of Europe. Europe. And therefore we're gonna call ourselves Europe and we're gonna be Europeans. None of the other people in this continent gets to call themselves Europeans except us. Would that be fair? No, that would be very shitty. <laughs> that would be the worst deal, deal ever. Let's leave aside all these, you know, name disputes from the past. Uh, let's turn to a current one, the one that brought us to this table today. And that is this PRESPA agreement that was signed last June by both Greece and the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, also known as FIRM and to most of the world as Macedonia. So this agreement was signed on June 17th on the banks of the Prespa Lake, which is this very beautiful lake that is shared between Greece, Macedonia, and Albania. And it was a very moving and touching ceremony where the prime ministers of uh, Greece and Macedonia signed, after 25 years of never-ending disputes, an agreement that could give Firum a chance to finally and officially be recognized as the Republic of North Macedonia and get a name that it has craved for decades. That is basically the final goal of this agreement, but it would ultimately give Macedonia a chance to enter both the European Union and access NATO. Now, to be fair, to those who are listening to us out there, might as well ask Wait a second. I thought that Macedonia already had a name. What is the problem? Why do you have to sign an agreement with neighboring Greece to get a name that is already yours? Yeah, and I have to agree here because when I saw the headlines, to be honest, I just sort of thought to myself, well, Macedonia is Macedonia, right? I mean, in my home country, it has always been actually referred to as Macedonia. That's how I learned about the country in in school. But it turns out that it's actually not that simple. So the country does have a name, but this name is disputable because there is a debate that goes back many years. So essentially, it goes something like this. Greece has the viewpoint that Macedonia specifically refers to Hellenic culture, which dates back to the 4th century BC, the empire of Alexander the Great. So in their view, Macedonia and Macedonian is really essentially Greek culture. So They claim that if a third party is using this name to identify themselves, then essentially they are stealing a part of their identity. The northern part of Greece is actually referred to as the region of Macedonia, with Thessaloniki as its capital. So Greece is therefore worried that Firom, former Yugoslavic Republic of Macedonia, could in the future use its name as a justification to claim back territory in Greece of the same name. Hey, let me stop you there for a second, because somebody could claim, like, how would allowing another country to call itself Macedonia give way to territorial claims. Well, that has happened in the past, right? It has happened we, in the past. We have many examples of this, actually. Like, just think back to 2014, when yeah. Russia claimed back Crimea. 
from Ukraine. They said, hey, uh, this is a territory that we'd given to you before, but now we want it back because it's full of Russian people and because those Russian people are closer to Russia than to Ukraine, so we claim it back. So give it to us. And there is no question. And they just invaded a part of Europe, like in modern times. Mm. Um, if you think about it, that's also what Germany did during World War II or what the USA, not America, mm. did with Texas <laughs> back in the 19th century uh, when they just decided that because it was full of so-called Americans, they could claim it from Mexico because, well, it was closer to the United States. Yeah, so you could say, okay, based on these historical examples, I mean, it's not that crazy to think that maybe in the future, in a different kind of global global scene, let's say, in international politics, that they would have yeah. powers, uh, bigger powers backing them up, that they could use this as justification. So the Greeks do have a point. I'd say they do have a point, although I understand that in today's culture and today's international political scene that it does not seem that plausible. What about the Macedonians? Okay, so the Macedonian view is basically that they want to be called Macedonians. And the reason is that they claim that they can trace their heritage back actually to the kingdom of Macedonia as well. So 400 years after Alexander the Great, the first Slavs arrived in what was then the kingdom of Macedonia. So basically the area that Alexander the Great ruled over. And suddenly now they have a third country telling them that they cannot be called that. It's almost like you were trying to refer to me as Sharps. I'm telling you, please call me Harpa. And you're just claiming that I cannot decide what I'm called. I'm sorry, who's Harpa? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For what concerns them, they have always been Macedonian, actually. So in the 19th and 20th century, Slavs in the region identified as Macedonians. They pressed for a separate state with Thessaloniki as its capital. And during that time, the chunk of land repeatedly changed hands, trying to make it Serbian, Bulgarian, or whatever. I mean, this is what has happened in this region throughout right. history. I mean, the borders keep being drawn up again and again. Oh, that's what keeps happening in the entire world. Indeed. But specifically in this region, I think this has been something that uh, has happened more Sounds messy. It sounds messy indeed, which is maybe why we have this dispute now. And I'm not referring to the football player. <laughs> Just for the record. Bad joke. Okay, so in 1913, we have the first Balkan Wars. So the region of Macedonia split among the warring parties. So Greece has half of the landmass, Serbia and Bulgaria have the other parts. And then after World War II, civil war breaks out in Greece and the Slavic-speaking Macedonians, they end up on the losing side and are expelled from Greece. Fast forward to August 2nd, 1944, the Anti-Fascist Assembly for the People's Liberation of Macedonia establishes the first Macedonian state, which was called the Democratic Federal Macedonia. So Macedonians considered this date as the first time they were allowed to freely state their nationality. Then in 1945, we have the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia being born. And then a year later, Macedonia becomes a part of federal Yugoslavia with its capital, Skopje. Yeah, and just let's remember for a second that this former Yugoslavia was made up of six different republics. Bosnia and Herzegovina was one, Croatia was another, Montenegro, Serbia, Slovenia, and Macedonia. Yeah, and the reason that Tito sees the existence of a Macedonian nation as a good thing is for two main reasons. So first, there's the balance of power. So having a Macedonia, having Macedonia as an independent state, it really takes power away from Serbia and Bulgaria. 
And then there's the reason of territorial expansion. So through Macedonia, Tito has the possibility of eventually claiming ownership over the Greek region of Macedonia and then to get access to sea, which was, of course, very important. So now you can understand why these people have a very strong Macedonian identity and why they find it very problematic or insulting when a third party tells them that they cannot be called that. Like if you were born in Macedonia or Firom, you were just automatically Macedonian and your country is Macedonia. And then somebody tells you, yes, but only for you and your fellow countrymen and countrywomen, because outside of your mm. country, you are not considered as Macedonians. You're Firoms. Indeed. Yeah. Firoms, which okay. is, it's a crappy name, to be honest, to be a Firom. It is. It, it <laughs> it's is, not the greatest. It is a crappy name. Uh, yeah. The Urban Dictionary uh, says that Firom is just a crappy acronym that they got. <laughs> yeah. You know, after Indeed. Greece got pissed off. Indeed. But anyways, just to sum up, everything that you've said is basically, there are three different Macedonians. We, we say Macedonia. We could be referring to one of the following three things. One is the region of Macedonia in northern Greece, of which Thessaloniki is the capital. Yes. The second thing that we could uh, be making reference to is Firom, or the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. And the third Macedonia would be the ancient kingdom of Macedonia, which no longer exists, but was somewhere there in the region in the 4th century before Jesus Christ. Yes, you got it. Jesus. You're a good <sighs> student. Pantita. Oh my god, this was tough. Okay, uh, what I do know is that the official dispute begins in the 20th century, in 1991, when the Socialist Republic of Macedonia claims independence from Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. And then right away, it calls itself the Republic of Macedonia. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it was recognized by more than 130 nations, including China, Russia, and the United States of America. But... Not Greece. Not Greece. They didn't no. like it. Because they basically fear that Macedonians expelled during the civil war would make claims on land. So mm. land is a constant issue here. The Greeks are afraid that if they allow their northern neighbors to call themselves Macedonians, they will try to take the northern part of the country. Yeah. Including Thessaloniki. And that is what prompts one million Greeks to protest in Thessaloniki in 1992, saying Macedonia is Greek. And only Greek. Which leads me to believe that maybe the territorial claims and the threat of them invading is maybe a rouge to cover that they just really feel ownership of this identity and they find it offensive that somebody's trying to steal it. Because they're not saying protect our borders, they're saying Macedonians are Greek. Stop calling yourself Macedonians. So yeah, there are it's two, really essential to their identity. There are two, there are two issues. One yeah. is, a, is a cultural issue and an identity issue. And the other one has to do with protecting their borders. I mean, that true. would be kind of, you know, the end result that they don't want to see. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so when you were telling us about Iceland, mm -hmm. uh, there is actually a body out there that kind of recognizes countries, right? Yeah. And that is the UN, the United Nations. And mm -hmm. in 1993, the United Nations admits Macedonia as long as it is provisionally referred to as the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Yeah. And think of it this way. I mean, you've just claimed independence, you've broken free from Yugoslavia, but you are forced to still identify as being formerly Yugoslavian. You have to permanently have yeah. that in your name. So you're finally independent, but you yes. cannot call yourself what you want. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And the thing is, the UN admits Firom. Then it urges Greece and Firom to continue to cooperate to arrive to 
an agreement and to smooth out their differences. And that is exactly what they do not do. Because the next year, in 1994, Greece imposes an embargo on Macedonia. And the European Court of Justice, funnily enough, I mean, funny, not funny, they agree to this. Not the best track record on name disputes, I feel, those European institutions. Yeah, but I hope you don't put an embargo on me, Harpa. <laughs> no, I won't. Good. I just call you Harpa, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I won. Okay, so uh, just the funny thing is that Greece finally lifts this embargo in 1995, so it only lasts for a year. I mean, only, an embargo is awful. But they have one condition, and that is that Macedonia changes its flag by removing what they call the Virginia Sun or the Star of Virginia from it, which is basically this golden star that is considered to be the royal symbol of the dynasty of Macedon to which Philip II and his son Alexander the Great belong to. So Macedonia says, okay, fine, we'll drop it, just drop the embargo, we'll drop the son, and then we're fine. The problem is, the dispute that started in 1993 has been ongoing until today, yeah. where we have a real chance to end this for the first time. And my first question would be, why now? Why do we have a real chance now? Yes, why not five years ago or 20 years ago? Why today? Uh, let me tell you. So for years and years and years, this negotiation was completely deadlocked because on both sides, you had right-wing parties in power that were very firm against accepting any kind of compromise on the name issue. So on the Greek side, you had the right-wing ruling party uh, being firmly against accepting any kind of compromise on the name of Firom. So they said, whatever name you decide, it cannot include Macedonia in any shape or form. And then on the Macedonian side, they said, we will not agree to any kind of compromise where we are not allowed to call ourselves Macedonians from Macedonia. Well, so, at least they knew what they wanted. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's more than most of us can say in life. They, they knew what they wanted. Uh, true. <laughs> okay, so then in 2016 and 2017, in both countries, you have elections. And now we have left-wing parties coming into power. So on the Greek side, you have Syriza, the party of the prime minister, Alexis Tsipras, coming into power. And on, on the Macedonian side, you have the Social Democratic Union of Macedonia coming into power, or SDSM, which is Soran Saev's party, the current prime minister of Macedonia. And one of the first things that he does with them when he comes into power is that he actually starts to rename the national airport in Macedonia and also the highway. So he drops the name that used to refer to Alexander the Great, sort of um, returning back from the antiquity policy that the former ruling party had in place, where basically they were naming everything that they could by Alexander the Great. They were trying to really stamp his name on everything in Macedonia. Make it great again, I guess. Make it great again. But it was almost like a big fuck you signal to the Greeks. So then when he does that on the Greek side, they say, hey, now maybe is the chance for us to actually start a dialogue. Maybe we can actually negotiate. We're seeing them signaling to us that now is the time to come to an agreement. And finally, you have people in power. So Tsipras and Saev, both are willing to sit at the negotiating table. And you have Matthew Ninets, who is the UN negotiator, who has been following up on this dispute for years and years, saying, wow, this has never happened before. The situation has never been like this before. So it's now or never, basically. So you start seeing them, once they, they draft this agreement, you start seeing headlines all over the news saying, uh, Macedonia agrees to a name change, dispute finally over, yay. Like, that is the assumption you could have made from the headlines. But there is problems in both countries. Ah, classic. 
Classic, yeah, because it's never that easy. So the agreement actually has to be ratified on both sides. So you need to have the parties that are there also agree to this agreement. Uh, usually a rationally thinking person <laughs> would say, okay, this is awesome because this would enable the Macedonian people to finally move on. They can finally apply to join uh, the EU and NATO. The Greeks can finally say, okay, the Macedonians won't have any claim to our land. They have decided on a name that is slightly different from ours. So we can say that they're not really trying to steal our identity. But what has happened is that the Prime Minister of Macedonia, who is a member of the former ruling party, the one that had the antiquity policy and was slapping Alexander the Great's name on everything that they could, so he is firmly against the agreement. Um, so that party's name is the VMRODPMNE. I mean, come on, that's a, <laughs> that's a tricky name, but it stands for Democratic Party for Macedonia National Unity. They are the opposition party in Macedonia, And they have stated that they will vote against this agreement. And they have a lot of seats in the parliament. I actually think that they have a slight majority over the ruling party. So that already spells trouble. And then on the Greek side, Syriza, the left-wing party of Alexis Tsipras, they are in coalition with the right-wing New Democracy, which has the defense minister Panos Kaminos saying that they would eject the agreement. So they have actually the ruling party in coalition with them saying that they will vote against it. So it's a very tricky situation on both sides. It sounds like a very tricky situation because basically what's going on is that there are coalitions running the countries. Everybody seems to be in favor of the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia joining both the European Union and NATO because that is what is really underlying this issue for Macedonians. Yes. But before we go there, uh, I just want to take a couple of minutes to get into the details of this agreement, okay? Yes. Because this agreement, as you mentioned before, has yet to be agreement. ratified. And but it's, it's a a yet agreement. to be ratified, yeah. But the so. devil is in the details. So maybe let's just look very quickly at the fine print. So I took some time to go over the agreement that they signed on the banks of the beautiful Prespa Lake. Thanks, Pantita. Uh, you're very welcome, Sharpsy. <laughs> it's not very long, okay? It's it's k kind of simple, actually. Mm -hmm. And the basic thing that this agreement uh, puts forward in its very first article is that Firom will now be called the Republic of North Macedonia or North Macedonia, as they will. And that the nationality will be Macedonian, which sounds great, right? Yeah. And one thing that I find extremely interesting is that both parties, meaning Greece and Fidom, agree to disagree. So by allowing Fidom to call itself the Republic of North Macedonia and by allowing the demonym uh, Macedonian, they also specify what they will understand by that. For Greece, these terms and I'm quoting here uh, the agreement, denote not only the area and people of the northern region of Greece, but also their attributes, as well as the Hellenic civilization, history, culture, and heritage of that region from antiquity to present day. As for Fidom, Macedonian will denote its territory, language, people, and their attributes with their own history, culture, and heritage distinctly different from those referred in the paragraph above, meaning that they will still understand whatever it is that they want by Macedonian. But to the outside world, 
there will be finally one nation called Macedonia. Now, the agreement also clearly states that none of the parties signing this agreement will have any territorial claims. And finally, what the agreement specifically states is that the Greek government, as soon as this agreement has been ratified by both parliaments, will actively call the president of the Council of the European Union and the secretary general of NATO to tell them please open negotiation talks with the Republic of North Macedonia so it's allowed in your organizations. So that begs the question then, how can somebody be against this deal? Exactly. It seems that contrary to NAFTA, according to Trump, this is the best deal (laughs) Deal ever. ever. Uh, Let's just recap a little bit. Where are we today? Well, there was a, a referendum in Macedonia which did not turn out perfect. So they asked the Macedonian people if they would be willing to accept this name change compromise, thus enabling the Macedonian people to enter the EU and NATO. But they did not exactly ask them that. And just before before you tell us the exact question that they asked, because it is very interesting, I just want to point out that this referendum was non-binding. Yeah, indeed, this uh, this referendum was quite controversial in Macedonia. And you had the people who were opposing the agreement encouraging Macedonians to just simply boycott the election. And then it turns out that the Russians indeed were helping them, as they've done in the past, to make people believe certain infactualities, let's say, encouraging them to really boycott the election. And it's a trend that we've seen across the world now that any kind of political decision, which if it turning one way actually destabilizes and weakens the EU, then the Russians are all in favor for that. So that is just a quick side note, which is super interesting. The cool thing is that this referendum was non-binding. Mm-hmm. So uh, the turnout was uh, very low, 36%. Mm-hmm. So it was not valid. But out of those 36% that voted, 94% said yes to the name change. And please, Harpa, can you tell us what question was asked there? Uh, I don't know if I remember it actually word by word, but it was, um, are you willing to accept the name change of Republic of North Macedonia? And are you in favor by doing that, that the Macedonia can enter EU and NATO? Was it something like that? Maybe it was very me. close. Very uh, close. And, and you can see how cheeky the question was phrased, but it was actually the other way. So they first asked the citizens, are you in favor of European Union and NATO membership by accepting the agreement between the Republic of Macedonia and the Republic of Greece? So they never, they don't even mention the proposed name. Super cheeky. Super cheeky. I mean, (laughs) fair enough, because referendums are cheeky by definition. And I mean, it's really hard to come up with a good question that everybody can agree to. And in any case, it's non-binding, so it's okay. It's all a kind of like a little charade. And good thing, because as you mentioned before, there was some Russian interference there. But now what's happening now is that Zaev, even if the referendum did not achieve the 50% turnout that it was required to make it valid, uh, Prime Minister Zaev of Macedonia will submit this agreement to the parliament. And he is claiming be victory because of how the people voted. But then the interesting thing is but that the opposing party and the president, they're also claiming victory because they say, hey, just like measly 30% turned out, like people don't really like, they don't even bother showing up to vote for this. That's why they say, get your facts straight first, then distort them at your ease. So ah. once you have the numbers, you can mm. claim whatever with those. 
Yeah. And then as a reaction to that, Prime Minister Zayev, he said that if they were not willing to cooperate with him and actually vote for this, then the, he would call for an early election. Yeah. So and everybody seems like really, really convinced <laughs> that this should go forward. But hey, this is not the end, because even if the Macedonian parliament approves this agreement, it still goes then to the Greek parliament, right? Indeed. And... The on situation, the side, it's not not better even. I mean, it might even be worse on the Greek side. They, so Yeah, they say that the grass is always greener on the other side, but not it's in just this appearances. Case, no. uh, and, and that is because Mr. Tsipras is also ruling on a coalition. Yes. And there is one side of his coalition that does not agree to uh, this name change, and that is Anel. Anel. Now, Mr. Tsipras' support is not as strong as it might seem to the rest of the world. He, on the one hand, is facing a general election next year in 2019. And a little known fact, I think, to the general public is that his government barely survived a no-confidence vote brought by New Democracy, the main opposition party, the Saturday before the Prespa Agreement was signed. The Prespa Agreement was signed on a Sunday. And his party barely survived this no-confidence vote, 153 votes to 127 out of the 300 total votes that were cast. Yeah. So he is in a dire situation. And his own defense minister, Panos Kamenos, the head of the independent Greeks party, has vowed to reject the agreement when it is brought before parliament. So it is not looking great on the Greek side. So even if the Macedonians overcome all these political obstacles to get the agreement through, it remains to be seen what the Greeks will make of it. And also here we said before, okay, maybe it's us being outsiders. It's easy to say this, but it seems like a great agreement. It seems super rational. It's hard to fathom why anybody would be against this, but it goes down to the core of identity. And here, given that we have these shaky political situations in both countries, it's very easy for those that are the opposition parties or those that want to come back into power, have favorable elections, to use this actually to gain political power. So it's really easy to mobilize voters by sort of appealing to this uh, identity and the notion of somebody trying to steal their identity. You have to come together, oppose. I mean, you see this happening all over Europe. You know, you could say that is even these nationalistic tendencies that you see all over Europe they're not willing to compromise so that is why I'm a little bit scared of the situation I'm not that optimistic that given that we might have early elections in both countries and and the power that powers that are opposing this deal will use this situation to try to manipulate the voters and gain power maybe we won't see this agreement go through uh, but before we get too pessimistic... I be, okay. it, no, no, tell me. Why should I, shouldn't I be pessimistic? I mean, because this is the first time that in 25 years, such an agreement has put on the table. Uh, just a fun fact also, because this, uh, you know, might help liven up the mood a little bit. It was that uh, Matthew Nemes's birthday was on the very same day that they signed this agreement. And he was very happy, not only uh. because of his birthday, but also because he had never seen in his 79-year-old life anything that came close to this. So imagine, he was close to be, he was close to 50, you know, a young man, the special envoy by the UN, and he finally is seeing some progress here. So I think there is a chance also, because I do think that the European Union and NATO have a strong interest in getting some stability in the Balkan region. And you can see 
Eastern powers pushing in the other direction, uh, Russia issued an official statement through its Ministry of Foreign Affairs in March, when the agreement had not been signed yet, warning Macedonia that its entry into NATO might have negative consequences for regional security and bilateral relations. Also, it's worth mentioning that Mr. Tsipras's government has been very friendly to Russia. So Mr. Tsipras uh, taking a stance here and criticizing Russian interference is also unprecedented. So I do think there is some political agreement at the highest level that allowing Macedonia to join the EU and NATO, because these are the practical consequences, mm -hmm. is actually a good thing for the European continent. Yeah, indeed, indeed. It will uh, stabilize the region, most likely, and it, it will provide you know, a way forward for the Macedonians. What I'm saying is, theorems. I think there is some hope. But it's there true, if the cheeky monkeys out there tap on ethnic issues and questions of identity, then mayhem may arise. I think the New York Times reported that 40 new websites were popping up every day prior to the referendum taking place in Macedonia. And one of the things uh, these websites were saying was appealing to the public, you know, and tapping on ethnic disputes. Are you going to let Albanians change your name? Mm. Albanians are a minority in Macedonia. Yes. So uh, this is this is a very dirty campaign. And, and you can see the importance of the whole thing also by the visits of Dawson's head of state and, you know, mm -hmm. high-level people uh, that the former Yugoslav royal of Macedonia has yeah. got in the previous months. Like Angela Merkel was there, Federica Mogherini, the European Union's foreign policy chief was also there, Jens Stoltenberg, the secretary general of NATO, Jim Mattis, the U.S. defense secretary. The U.S. has even allocated, you know, millions of dollars to fight back uh, misinformation campaigns yeah. in, in, in Macedonia. So there is a strong interest at the highest levels in the international community for Macedonia to actually get a shot at joining these international organizations. And things might get interesting. Yeah, I think that, okay, it's true that we can safely say that the whole of Europe is behind this deal, oh, well, excluding the Russians, but you've really seen uh, EU leaders and then NATO leaders step up and really try to push for this. So hopefully, I mean, the ball is in the court ultimately of the, the Greeks and the Macedonians, but I think that there is no doubt what the international community actually wants to see happen here. So let's hope that those powers will win in Indeed. the end. And it's not only, you know, good wishes and just ephemeral hopes. It is because by joining these international organizations, I mean, we're not saying that it's going to happen, right? Because accession talks take years. And the EU so far uh, has not made any serious moves towards opening uh, accession talks again uh, for any country. But the possibility could be there if Greece accepts this name change. But the thing is, Firum is among the least developed countries in the region by all standards, not only in terms of GDP, but also according to a lot of indexes. It ranks the lowest pretty much among all the former Yugoslav republics mm -hmm. in terms of human development, corruption. I mean, corruption ranks pretty high. Ranks high. So. Yeah, compared to other countries. Uh, but also its democracy index is pretty low. And in terms of rule of law, rule of law is still pretty weak in, in the country. So just the same way that we are seeing in Slovenia and Croatia after they joined the EU, also former Yugoslav republics, this could be a path for Macedonians to achieve a higher and better development. To be seen, uh, exciting times ahead.
if you like the content of this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you enjoy listening to EU Untangled, the best way to help it grow bigger, better, and greater is by sharing it with your friends and leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For constant updates, you can also follow EU Untangled on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you check out our awesome website, podworld.org untangled. You'll find tons of interesting information in the show notes and a lot of cool links. See you next time. Why not? So... Wine not? Well, uh, cheers. Uh, yes! Alright, Sharps. So lately you've been listening to a lot of dad jokes online. Yes. Please tell us one. Um, what's the difference between tuna glue and a piano? Tuna glue? Tuna, like yeah. tuna pizza, mm-hmm. glue, like stick things together, yes. and a piano, like play beautiful music. What's the difference between tuna, glue, and a piano? Fuck, that's hard. Uh, that you can tune them? No, that would be a similarity. Um, you can tune them up, but you cannot... <laughs> Do you want me to tell you the answer? Yeah, I kind of want to. Okay, well, you can tune a piano, but you can't piano a tuna. Oh, boy. That was good. But he didn't make me laugh. It was smart. Well, the joke isn't finished. Ah, okay. Sorry. That's, that's Okay, why didn't you deliver the punchline? I already... Well, the punchline is yet to come. You have to react. What about the glue? I knew you'd get stuck on that. <laughs> It was good. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, <sighs> okay, what's it? What's the similarity <laughs> between? And this is related to our episode today. <laughs> okay. What's the similarity between Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh? Alexander the Great and Winnie oh, the Pooh. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Lisa. They don't wear pants. What? What? How do you know that Alexander <laughs> the Great did not wear pants? He wore a skirt. Because he wore a skirt. Yes, Ooh, that's, Te- that's technically good. that's true, but <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is like naked. <laughs> yeah, he wears a crop top. That is also the reason why it's illegal in China. No, it's legal in China because he resembles Xi Jinping. Without pants. Yeah, also because Xi Jinping hates being called fat. Okay, okay. there is another similarity between Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh, and that is that they both share their middle name. That is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> I didn't want to laugh because that was bad, but okay. <laughs> Literally, that is a dad joke. But intended. you told us what's the difference between them. No, what's similar? Okay, the yeah. question was what's similar. Sorry, yes. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, we'll, we should leave it here. 